one heart. So I hope you're blessed. I hope, uh, I pray that uh, your heart is open today to receive what the spirit of grace has to say to us. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing that we can serve our mighty God, the living God, not the dead God. Uh, we're not hoping for miracles. We, we believe in miracles. We're, we're not wanting change. We walk in change. And we understand the goodness of God for our life. So those who are listening on Zoom and listening on Facebook and YouTube, welcome tonight. May, may the Lord bless you. And may his face shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you because he loves us. Amen. Um, so I want to get straight into the word today. And I want to encourage you guys to follow me here. And, and uh, as the title says behind me, thanks to DK, um, the unshakable foundation. And uh, Jesus said it this way. He says, uh, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you look through the scripture about rocks, but tonight I want us to understand that when we have an unshakable foundation, it's very important that what we build on that foundation matters. You know, Christ is our unshakable foundation. And we're going to see this here. But I want to encourage you today that when you see and you hear the word rock in the Bible, you hear all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, the rock was used in Moses' day where living water came out of the rock. And you remember when they were walking through the desert and they were whinging, there was no food. God sends quail. Then they were whinging, that there was no water. God strikes the rock and water comes out. Uh, they had clouds by day and, and, and the fire by night. And God was with them throughout this whole situation. And it was amazing when you know, we know the picture of the rock is Jesus because the first time God said, strike the rock and water gushed out. It wasn't just a trickle. Water gushed out like rivers. And a bit later on, further down, they start complaining. He goes, we're thirsty. And Jesus says now, God says to Moses, speak to the rock. And Moses speaks to the rock and nothing happens. And he gets so angry because he's already angry with the people, he strikes the rock, and water gushes out. And then God says to Moses, because you disobeyed in anger, you won't see the promised land. And that rock represents Christ. Paul explains it, that when he struck the rock, the rock the first time, we're speaking of that Jesus would be a rock of our salvation, and he would be stricken and smitten, as Isaiah 53 says, and he'd be put on a cross, and he'd be whipped and pierced, and he would die. But when Jesus rose again, the same rock, now we speak, to, we speak to him through faith. Jesus only gets crucified once. So when Moses struck the rock the first time, the water came out, it was a picture of that rock. Jesus would be stricken for us, for salvation. So living water would flow from him. But the second time was symbolic, and he struck the rock, and God says, speak to the rock. What does Jesus say? Speak to that mountain. Speak to that situation. If you have faith, as small as a mustard seed, speak and it shall come to pass. And when he struck it, he goes, no, you're supposed to speak to it. One was Jesus was stricken. The second time was by faith. He didn't believe by faith. And that's a picture of Christ, the living water. So I want to go, if you've got your Bibles, go to Psalm 18 for me. And we're going to speak about our unshakable foundation. We've got to remember that whatever we build, we have to build our spiritual life on Christ. It's very important that our fundamental foundations, what we build on is on Christ. 
And so you go with me to Psalm 18, and we're going to have a chat about this. And this is talking about King David. Um, King David, Psalm 18, verse 2. Sorry, Beck. Um, King David, he's, he wrote these Psalms. And, and this one here, if you read it, and if it was to open up, it talks about, uh, it's a long introduction. It talks about, this is when Saul, King Saul tried to kill him, and God protected him. Saul was jealous of David because even though King Saul was the king of Israel at that time, God had anoint, anointed David to be the true king. And it's an amazing thing. When God anoints you, he also appoints you in his timing. And David knew he was king because the, the prophet uh, uh, Samuel anointed him. But there was a time before he could actually take over the reins of king. And Saul was jealous of David and, and, and Saul ended up going off track and he tried to kill David who he he loved David now all of a sudden he's trying to kill him and then he we look at Psalm 18 and talks about it if you're it's a pretty long psalm we're not going to go through the whole lot but I want to just break it down for you to understand now this is David talking about his life he's talking about his life and his salvation and his redemption and the strength he got that God protected him but as you can see he also talks about this prophetically about the coming rock or the coming messiah he actually prophesies about Jesus. And it's amazing. A lot of the Psalms talk about Christ. You can get a, you know, um, Psalm 22. And, and, and there's so many Psalms in the Bible. But Psalm 22 is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, and Jesus quotes that on the cross. So there's a prophetic, you know, there's a typology and an analogy that David's using, metaphors. But it's also a prophetic sign. So we're going to go through this as you follow me. But I want you to understand here now, I'm talking to people here that are in the faith. And if you're not in the faith, please bear with me. But you're going to see that through before time began, the only salvation we have, listen to me, the only strength we got, the only security we got, the only shield we got is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. The Old Testament, you heard this every day for the last 10 years. The Old Testament conceals what the New Testament reveals. Amen. The Old Testament hides Christ. The New Testament reveals Christ. Amen. So let's go. Verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my strength. In him I will trust. My shield and my horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Just in that little pocket there, it's, it's very powerful. First of all, David's acknowledging my Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. David, as I said, he was attacked. He, was, he, he hid in the cave, coming after him. He had enemies on both sides. And he's now declaring that the only strength he's got, the only protection he's got is the Lord. And he says, this is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and my horn. The word horn there represents authority and re represents strength of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, shall I be saved from my enemies. And here we've got a picture here that David's speaking about this personally. This is a personal testimony. And he refers to the Lord as a rock. He refers to the Lord as a, as a fortress. In uh, the King James, you, instead of saying my shield, is my mountain. 
my protector. And the horn represents authority, represents strength. And he keep and he says he, my rock, my strength, my shield. Here, this guy's establishing a foundation that everything who he is and what he is and what they can do for him is all based on who my God is. We know in um in, in the Romans, it talks about Jesus being the cornerstone, the capstone. The, the stone that the builders rejected became the capstone. Talking about Christ. Let's jump down to verse 31. And it says in verse 31 in the same psalm, for who is God except the Lord? The, uh, the King James will say again, who is God except Yahweh? So when you hear Lord, it's talking about Yahweh. And who is a rock except our God, Yahweh? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Again, he speaks about the rock. He speaks about God being his rock. Speaking about God being his, he, there's no one stronger than God. And who is my, I love what he says, for God is except the Lord. Who is my God except the Lord or Yahweh? And who is a rock except our God? Can you see the picture here? That he's, Understanding that the rock, our foundation, our stability, our minds, our heart, it all has to be fundamentally secured to the foundation, which is Christ and Christ alone. The psalm, you get into verse 46. The Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Here we go again. Let God of my salvation be exalted. Now, I, don't know, I could go all this all night. The only rock we have, sorry to my brothers and sisters, the only rock we have, the only fundamental foundation rock is Jesus Christ. And that rock was crucified and rose again. And we build our whole life on the rock of the bedrock of God's foundation. Amen. And we can go on all day. But I want to share with you a few things. David here now is talking about a personal salvation. But we could talk about this personally. We all got a testimony. I reckon everyone could he could testify on how good God is, where God's brought you from. Um, many people will tell you about uh, you know how they come to know Christ and how they stood firm on Christ and all these different things. It's a personal relationship. It's a personal God to us. But this is also a corporate thing. So when we build our life, what are we building just for us? We build, uh, we, we are part of the body of Christ. When Jesus talks about us, the church, the body, the ecclesia, ecclesia means the ones that have been called out and we build together. Um, and at this point, I want to share what Paul was saying. We'll come back to the psalm because I think it's important to understand. We've got to get a, a fundamental fact that the rock of our salvation, that our foundation is Jesus Christ. But then now we have to know how to build on that rock. Amen. Jesus talks about the, who he built his house on sand. And when the storms come, it gets washed away. But he who builds his house on the rock, when the storms come, it won't be pushed around. Just like the picture behind me. But the Bible says also be careful how you do build on that rock. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I wasn't going to go there right now, but let's go there right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's go to verse uh, 9. And verse 9, and we're going to see what the, the Apostle Paul said. Now, the Apostle Paul talks about this 
um, with a, uh, and, and he actually, if you go read the whole chapter, it's very interesting, but we're going to start from verse nine. And then we're going to talk about uh, this and how to build on that rock. Verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, this is the Apostle Paul speaking now, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and, and another builds on that foundation. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Stop right there. If I try or anyone tries to lay a different foundation other than Christ, he's building, building on a faulty foundation. It's not built on man. It's not built on a denomination. It's not built on an experience. It's not built on money. It's not built on uh, heritage. It's not built on genealogy. It's not built on uh, um, political. It's not built on anything like that. It's built on Christ. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver and precious stone, wood or hay or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And that fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone work which, uh, sorry, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Now, I had someone try to tell me that's purgatory. <laughs> I don't know how they get that, but let me explain it to you. And Paul's saying, when he's talking about gold and silver and precious stone, he's not talking about literal gold and silver and precious stone. When they say you're building with straw and hay and wood, he's not talking about that. What's he talking about here? He's talking about a spiritual thing. So Jesus Christ is the fundamental foundation and all of us are partaking in the working of the building. We are, see the verse, in verse nine, we are co-workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. He's speaking about ourselves and we'll talk about we are being living stones, living epistles. And here he goes, you're building with precious stone, silver, gold, stones. See, precious stone and silver and gold, when it gets put through a fire, it gets purified. All the dross comes off. All the imperfections get burnt out. But you, that will come to the gold, the silver, the precious stone is worth more. It's come to its fullness. As we spoke a couple of weeks ago when we talked about uh, the, uh, the silversmith burning in the fire and turning it. And when he saw his, his when he, and he was asked the question, how long do you burn the silver for to get it right? He says, oh, that's easy. As soon as I see my image in there, it's ready. There's a, a beautiful picture of Christ in us. When he can see Christ in us, we're ready. We mature. Here says the wooden hay and straw. This is talking about how we build our life. What is it are we putting in place? What are we building on, on Christ? People can say, well, I'll have Jesus Christ and never do a thing for the Lord. Never pray, never fast. Never speak in tongues one day of their life. Never do anything for the kingdom. You're not really building much on that bedrock of Christ. You're not really doing too much. Some people go off and do their own thing, even though it's a good thing. Maybe God, God's asking them to do one thing and they go and do another, thinking that's God, not taking direction, not taking heed, not spending time with him to understand what their calling is on their life. 
that'll get burnt up. Even though it was a good deed, it's not a God deed. And that'll get burnt up. When God wants us to build, he's talking about us. He's trying to get us to build our lives on that bedrock so we can be part of the wall that gets constructed, the wall of the body of Christ, building the body of Christ. He talks about here that um, if anyone's work which he has built endures, he'll receive a reward. You know, it's sad that you live the most of your life doing your own thing and saying it's for God and then turn out one day before you stand before God, I never asked you to do that and it gets burnt up. That's a sad day. But we want to go there. We want to get to heaven one day and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's your reward. And Paul's talking about building on a, on a foundation and building, be a wise builder. And he talks about us being the temple of God. So he's speaking about our spiritual life. What are we building on? See, our, the fabric of our life. See, you can talk to people that fast and pray and give and forgive and, that, and have no Jesus. It's on a faulty foundation. I mean, you, you don't have to go very much and turn on YouTube or turn on TV or there's so many self-help gurus out there and they all mean well. They're trying to help people, trying to create a better life for people, trying to get people's mindsets, but it's all on a faulty foundation. See, our foundation has to be in Christ. We understand that Jesus, the love of the Father came down he knew no sin, became sin, that we can become the righteousness of God. Jesus came to restore us back to our rightful place in the Father. And then he expects us to be co-laborers with him. See, people say to me all the time, well, it's up to God, it's up to God. No, God's already predestined or he's already outlined our life before the foundation of the world. But we have to come into unity with the Spirit as co-laborers to find out what our purpose is. We have to understand, you know, if there was a book of Tony in the Bible, I could read it and say, yep, that's what I'll do. But there isn't, is there? But the Holy Spirit knows the purpose and plan for my life. And sometimes the enemy gets us caught up in building on the wrong, not on the wrong foundation, but building on a foundation which is weak and he takes us away from the truth. And that comes with spending time with the Lord. time, You know, we're going to, sh I'm going to share some things in the Psalms here. Uh, I spoke about it a few months ago where meditating and assimilating the word, reading the Bible, getting into your spirit, and then seeing God put the pieces together to understand what God's perfect plan for us is, to point us to, into that right direction. If you go through the whole Psalms, it talks about he guards our path, he directs our path. It talks about, and it's interesting that every time David spoke about being delivered and thanking God, he praised him. I think that's one thing we lack today. Like, you know, if anyone goes through a hard time, whether it's sickness, whether it's loss of family, or do we come out the other end praising God? Or do we say, thank God that's over? Or do we say, I barely made it through. I never want to go through that again. See, I've learned one thing. Even when the, everything looks bleak, I'll praise him. If I get through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll praise him. If I come through something, I keep praising him. If I get bad report, I'll praise him. David knew this. He kept praising God. Because when I have a heart of praise towards him, then I can start to see what he can see. 
You know, when you're going through something, you got blinkers on, you can't see. When a storm hits you, sometimes it's very hard to see the end. You're actually waiting for it to pass over, or you just, how am I going to bear this any longer? Or, oh my God, what do I expected? You know, nothing worse when you expect uh, something uh, great to happen and something bad happens. Because a storm comes out of nowhere. Who can testify that when out of nowhere things come, drama happens in your life? Things go haywire in your life. We need to have a heart of praise. That's one of the stepping, one of the stones that we build on is praising our Father. We give him all the glory and all the honor. Amen. Let's go back to Psalm. Follow me here. Go back to Psalm 18. Back to 46. And again, it's a long psalm. I'm going to go through it. We'll be here until tomorrow. But the Lord lives in uh, Psalm 18:46. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Please don't ever lose track. Listen to me. No matter where you're going, whatever you're going through, don't ever lose track of your salvation for what God has done for you. Always have a heart of praise for him. When you get a heart of praise, it's exalting him. When I get in the down in the dumps, I'm exalting my situation. I can't build on that. But when I can exalt him, I can praise him, I can thank him because I know I'm, my salvation is through him, my rock. Amen? And when we do that, we lift up our eyes to see him. Doesn't mean your situation goes away. It just means that God will give you direction to go through. He'll give you the strength, strength and the courage to get through. You often hear these testimonies about a lady who was helping during the Holocaust. I uh, forget her name now. It's just the tip of my tongue. But her and her family helped hide Jews from the Nazis. And they finally got caught. Someone dobbed them in. They got caught. And they put him in a concentration camp with them. And the sisters, they, were, they, were, they weren't young at the time. And one of them died and the father died and she finally got out of the concentration camp. And she tells her testimony, Anne Frank, beautiful. And her name is Anne Frank, mighty woman of God. And you hear her testimony, you see all these things and you think, how did she have the courage or how did she have the strength to go through this atrocity? But she always looked up and gave him praise. And she's a mighty woman of God. This woman, they went through so much. If you ever get a movie and watch it, it's it's fascinating to see. Um, you, it's 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 um, it's an amazing thing to see. You want to talk about lockdowns? You want to talk about persecution? You want to talk about fear of death? You want to, mate, go and watch these. This is phenomenal. But it's also when David was talking about Psalm 18, he's talking about how God is my fortress. God is my strength. God is my rock. He keeps talking about the rock. God had been my rock. And it's amazing here. If we go to, um, uh, where is it? Psalm 49. Uh, sorry, Psalm 18, verse 49. He talks about his personal salvation, that God is his rock and his fortress and his covering, and he protected him from his enemies, and he praised him. And we know now as, as, as New Testament believers, 
We praise our Father. We thank Him for what He's done at the cross. So we have the foresight that to see all this after the cross. But David could speak about it, but not really understand that before the cross. And I'm going to explain. And he's talking about he's protected me from my enemies, and he's held me, and I've got a shield, and and I'm and I'm 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 here to a place where uh, I know who my salvation comes from. I'm attacked from all sides, but I know who my salvation comes from. Then in verse 49, he says, Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. You can interchange the word nations with Gentiles. Because the only nation that believed in God in, in, in the Yahweh was Israel. So when he talks about the nations, he's talking about everyone outside. He says, I'll I'll, I'll I'll sing praises to your name among the nations, or to the or interchange it to the Gentiles. And now he's speaking prophetically here. He's now speaking. Hang on, he doesn't know what he's saying, but he's saying, "I want to sing your name to the Gentiles." Now, Jesus came as the Son of David. Remember, many many people call him Son of David. Have mercy on me. Talking about the Messiah. Let's go to Romans chapter fifteen. I want to show you this. And I was blessed when I saw this. I never saw, I never knew where this correlated. Romans 15, verse 8. And it's a, a verse 8 and verse 9. I want to show you that the Bible is no mistake. It's no mistake. In Romans 8, verse 9. So I'm just, I pray that you get there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going too fast. So he's talking about a personal salvation to David, he's talking about himself. Now he starts to prophesy and declare future salvation, not just for David or for himself of Israel, but now to the Gentiles, which is us. He says in Romans 15, verse 8, he says, Now I say that Jesus Christ, or Jesus the Messiah, has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to, the, to confirm the promises made to their fathers, talking about Abraham. And now... And then verse 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this reason, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing your name. Psalm 18.49 says, Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Paul says it here in verse 9. For this reason, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing your name. He's referring to Jesus. The Gentiles, you could interchange that to the nations. It's exactly the same word as it is written. Hallelujah. We get to partake. Listen to me. We get to partake in the glorious salvation of David. Of the what was promised to them, to their forefathers. We get to participate in that now. And even the, Unlike them, listen to this, we get it to do it by faith for what Jesus did at the cross. Now my life and your life is built on the fundamental foundation of the finished work of the cross. They were building their lives on a promise that would come. But the promise has come. Hallelujah. And we get to partake in God's glorious kingdom. The Old Testament says the kingdom of God is near. When Jesus came, the kingdom of God is within you. John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is coming. Jesus, the kingdom of God is here. Hallelujah. 
And we stand on the fabric of foundation of the rock of Christ. He's the beginning and the end. He's the cornerstone, which becomes the capstone. But remember what Paul said. Paul said, we have to build. Be careful how we build. We are. He's like a master builder. God gave him the grace. What he was saying was, I went out and preached Christ and him crucified. And I laid a foundation. And another man can build on that foundation. Be very careful how you build. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, 5 to 6. 1 Peter chapter 2, 5 to 6. So you ask yourself a question. How do I build? And we're going to touch on that. How do I build on that foundation? I can't change the foundation. I can't improve the foundation. I can't fix up the foundation. The foundation is perfect. Jesus Christ is perfect. But we're not. But God's allowing us to build on him. Look what Peter says. Coming to him, God or Jesus, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, talking about Jesus, but chosen by God and precious. You also are a living stone and being built up a spiritual house, a being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, he is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay a stone, a chief's cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will be no means put to shame. So Jesus is talking about here being Jesus again, the stone, the foundation. And we are living stones. Remember the Bible says, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. So Jesus is talking about us building ourselves on the fabric of the foundation of who is Christ. See, the Holy Spirit in us will get us to bring us to a place of, you know, uh, revelation of who he is. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not going to speak of himself. He only speaks of what he hears from me and my father. He's the spirit of truth and he guides us into all truth. Amen. A living sacrifice pleasing to God. Here, but I love it. He says, being a built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Our job is to build the inner man. Our job is to build us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, if I understand when I spend my time in prayer, when I spend my time in fasting, when I spend my time praying in the spirit, when I when I meditate on the word, when I'm praising him, and and uh and and, and I, I this is a this is not a, a remedy, it's a lifestyle. When I spend that time, that's what I'm doing. I'm building the inner sanctuary, I'm building my spiritual house, which is placed in the fundamental foundation of the rock. And then God starts to instruct me. God starts to show me to build on that with precious stone, silver, gold. Are you with me? And just to go back one step, when he says that on that judgment day, it'll be tested with fire, there's two judgment seats. There's the judgment seat of Christ and there's the great white throne judgment. You don't want to be on the great white throne judgment. That's where 
the non-believer goes, or the one that rejected Christ. The, the judgment seat of Christ, we all go through there. That's when everything gets revealed and we'll get our rewards in heaven. And if we've done bad as a believer or we didn't do what we were meant to do, like he says, we built on precious, not on precious stone or gold or silver. We built on wood and hay. We built our life according to our life and put Jesus' name on top of it. That'll be burnt up. So just get just understand that we, we've passed from death to life. We're in Christ, the blood of Jesus. But they still go through a judgment seat, which is the judgment seat of Christ. Story for another day. And understanding that the fabric of our foundation is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. He's the rock. And I love the last bit of, of Peter. It says, uh, he who believes in him will be no means put to shame. That's very powerful. Many of us have stepped out in faith. Many of us have stood firm in the name of Jesus. Many of us, I remember when I first came to know the Lord, I got attacked from every side. I'm brainwashed. I'm, uh, I've turned my back on my family, you know, all these things. But I stood firm because I understand that scripture where it says he'll never put me to shame. He will never put us to, he'll never leave us out to dry. He will never leave us hanging. Why? Because I believed in the most fundamental rock of my salvation. And when I build my life today, listen to me, when I build my life today, I build on an awesome foundation that cannot be shaken. Because if I'm anchored to Christ, how can it be shaken? I might myself shake, but the foundation will never move. And it's up to me to build it on top of that foundation. I love what Paul said. If you build on it, there's no other foundation to lay on lay than the one I've laid, which is Jesus Christ. What he's saying is this, the foundation is Christ. If I trust in myself, sometimes people have faith in faith. What I mean by that, they have more faith in their faith. I've got faith. I trust in faith. I've declared it. I've de no, no, no. My faith has to be in Christ, the rock. Are you with me? There was a movement going on there where you name it, claim it, babble it, and grab it. And it was faith in faith. I trusted in faith. Then there was, God started to move amongst them and then the anointing. So they had trust in the anointing, but they didn't trust the one who gave them the anointing. So they started, they were searching for the anointing and the spiritual gifts and all that. And they walked away from faith in the one who gives the gifts. And you go through history. I can give you a history lesson on every move of God and dispensation of God, how the devil gets in there. But, we have to understand now that we are not babes anymore. We are a generation of, let me ask you this question. You think it's a mistake that we're living on this earth at this time? No. God purposely chose us to be here for this time, for this dispensation, to stand firm. Because when, 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 when David was talking about of singing your praises among the nations of the Gentiles, we got to do the same thing. We're to sing our His name, praise His name, so the rest of the world who do not know Jesus yet can praise His name. That's our job right now. Our job is not just to bring in the harvest. Our job is to make sure that we're building with gold and silver and precious stone. 
We're building our fabric of our foundation ready to house the harvest. What I mean by that, there's broken people out there. Uh, I heard a statistic today about even after we open up and whatever happens from that, they could lie and shut us down again. Who knows what they're going to do? But the mental anguish, if they were to say, well, now they've given all these people hope they're going to open up. If they lock down again, watch people spiral. And the answer is the church, the body of Christ, us. We have to be the light and the salt of this earth. But if we're not building a house on the foundational rock and we're, we're wobbling and our salt has no longer got taste and it's worthless and our light is diminished, there's nothing we can say and do that's going to change it. But when we understand, listen to me, hear my heart here. And if, if you don't get nothing else, get this. Praise his name among the nations. Lift up your hands and give him all the glory. And when we give him all the glory, we lift our hearts. It's not about us. It's about you, Lord. Watch him move. David understood this principle, getting chased down. He got anointed. I didn't ask for this. You anointed me. Yeah, I'm getting chased. They're trying to kill me. They're jealous of me. What did I do wrong? And sometimes we, it's not us. The enemy wants to rob us from the call of God on our life. He wants to rob us from the word of God so we don't spread it. There's all these different things. But we're not going to be moved, are we? We're going to stand firm. And we have all these, these, these uh, promises from God. But knowing a promise and standing firm for the promise is two different things. See, the Jews had a promise. The Jews had a... Till this day, Jews say, we're going to promise to Abraham. We're going to promise to Abraham. It's not going to come to pass. They're going to die and go to hell without knowing Jesus Christ because it was fulfilled in Christ. But we as believers know that the fulfillment is Christ. And he says, now, take heed how you build. Take heed how you hear. Take heed what you say. Take heed what's in your heart. So when we build our house, we build the house on the fundamental foundation of Jesus. Amen? I don't pray in tongues to get more salvation. I don't fast to get more salvation. But what I do is I build my inner house, my temple of the Holy Spirit, so that way Christ in me can manifest the hope of glory. I kill the flesh. I, I kill the soul. I reduce it down so the spirit life rises up. Amen? I want to encourage you tonight because you can hear a lot of word and, and see what's going on. We can see what's happening in the natural. We all have an opinion on it. But, you know, in, deep in my spirit, and it's been for, for months now, what I, I perceived that God was going to do, I thought, ooh, it's not where I want it to be. But, you, you know, you, you've been around long enough to know that don't try and work out God. <laughs> Follow God. Get instructed by God. I'm not going to try and work it out. Uh, how is he going to do that? None of my business. All I know is I'm going to do my bit. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and read it, it talks about who is Paul, who is Apollo, who is Cephas. Are we divided? So why does one say I follow Paul? One say I follow Apollos. One say, hey, guys, we all follow Christ. And then he talks about building on a proper foundation. And we got to understand that we're following Jesus Christ. 
and understanding what he has done for us. And we're building on that foundation. Amen? If we build it on anything else, it's going to fall. And as we stand firm, listen to me, as we stand firm, as we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us, because it's amazing, like, we, you get into his presence and you're looking for direction. He's telling you something totally different. He wants to know if we can trust him. You know, sometimes it's about entering his presence because it's about him, not about us. Now, if you read that psalm all the way through, you'll see what God has done and he praises him. What God has done, he praises What was going to happen to him, but he praised him. It's all about praising Jesus. Before there was anything in heaven, there was praise. There was no preaching, no teaching, no sacrifice. There was praise. Where the angels would go around the throne of God day and night, singing holy, holy, holy. Every day for, for God does eternity. Why? Praise. Praise isn't just singing. Praise is lifting your heart towards him. We can go through the Bible and show you how many times that they were locked up in jail. Paul and Silas in jail. And in the midnight hour, what did they do? They praised him. They were in chains in jail. They praised him. Peter and John in jail, what did they do? They praised him, sang hymns. And we have to come to a place that no matter what it looks like in the natural, we're going to praise your name. Because Praise is intercession to God. Amen? Are we going to understand who we are? Understand the fabric of who we, what we, who we belong to. We're not orphans. We're not peasants. We're not slaves. We are children of the Most High. Hallelujah. We're children of the Most High. Let them take our jobs. Let them take our houses. We're, we're children of the King. But, I want to build on that. I want to build on the knowledge of that. I want to be able to walk in that. Not in arrogance, not in, uh, in, 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 in silliness, but understanding that our foundation, our salvation is on the rock of Jesus. And that's what was on my heart to share tonight. Because I'm very wary when people start getting excited and they're going to open up. And then they pull the plug under you and the people just go, shh. And they're going to open up, praise God. But we can't go back the same. We can't go back and do things the same way. We need to put our, our, our priorities back in building on the fundamental foundation. Talking about our spiritual life and the body at large and then the world. That's where God's taken us, people. It's exciting. God hasn't lost control. God is in total control. And it's time for us to rise up to be the light and the soul of the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. So want to uh, just understand that it's it's an amazing thing at this time. It's can I encourage you, especially those what was on my heart today. Those with kids, say young kids, please be careful what you say and what you talk about in front of the kids, whether in any situation, 
Um, your what you do in front of them means more than what you tell them to do or what you say. For those who have got older kids, or let's say they, uh, toddlers up to teenagers, ask them how they're feeling. Ask them, you know, have a conversation with them about how they're feeling. Get them to tell you what they think about what's going on and where they're at. It's a beautiful thing over dinner. Dinner's like communion and, and chat. And um, don't tell them how they should think. Ask them where they're at. Find out where their hearts are. Find out if there's fear there. Find out what they're... Because I, I talk to a lot of young people and the garbage that they believe because of TV is ridiculous. For the ones with the older kids, you know, teenagers and then young adults, have that conversation. Be real. Nothing wrong with saying, I was scared, or someone so got sick, or this guy, that, or whatever whatever it is. I'm not even talking about what's now. I'm talking about in general. Dialogue with your, with your, with your spouse. Dialogue with your children. Understand that it's okay if they disagree. It's okay if they're not at where you're at. But let there be a community. Let it, let it open up. Because then that's the only way they can start building on the right foundation. Don't tell them what to do. Depends on their age, obviously. But they'll see the miracle working. They'll see faith arise in you. If there's a situation arises in your house or your family, do they see you go straight to prayer? Do they say, let's, let's get together and let's pray? Do they see you declare the, the goodness of God in faith, not in fear? Let them see you. You know, it was amazing where I was, uh, it's like God could have came in and rescued us right now. But I heard this beautiful statement. But God's interested in our children's children, children, not just in us. Jesus, God could have arrested Jesus on that cross. You remember what Jesus said before they were going to arrest him? Like I said, I asked my father of legions, 12,000 legions or legions of angels. But he was thinking about the next generation. He was thinking about us as well. See, a temporary fix or temporary resolution of pain doesn't solve the problem long term. I don't want to encourage you because God's going to do a mighty thing in us and through us and in our families. It's an amazing thing what God's about to do. But he's preparing us to reap the harvest. He's preparing us. There's nothing worse than a broken person trying to fix another broken person. <laughs> Two broken pieces don't become a, a, a full piece. But I want to encourage you tonight. Look up. Look up and see your salvation. Look up and say, thank you, Father. You've got me through the worst. Some of us are going through some stuff. Some of us have been through some stuff. Some are about to go through some stuff. That's the cycle of life. But as David cried out for himself personally, how he God delivered him and set him free and he was his rock and his salvation, that's personally. It's also collectively. So I want to encourage you. There's a lot more disclosures coming. Uh, what I mean by that is a lot of disappointments on our way. What I mean by that, there's a lot of things that we have perceived to be right and, and honoured they are going to come down. But how we deal with that is very important.
it's an amazing thing that God's about to shake and move this whole planet. We know that for a fact. Whenever in history has the whole planet be in one, and then you see a lot of shaking now. But let it all shake. And guess what? We're still standing. Because guess what? If we're built on that rock, it cannot be moved. It cannot be shaken. So I want to encourage you on that. I want to thank you all for listening. For those who are listening online and on Facebook, those who are... who pop in and pop out, I want you to understand something. That Christ had you in his mind before the foundation of the world. Bible says that the lamb was slayed before the foundation of the world. And the greatest thing you could ever do in life is to give your life to Jesus. To put your heart and soul into his hands. To reap the benefit of what he did at the cross. The Bible says in the fullness of time, Jesus came. In other words, it was at the right time that God sent Jesus. People say to me, why didn't he come earlier? Why didn't he come later? He came at the right time. God knows the beginning of the end. In the fullness of time, Jesus appeared. We are at a time now that we get the benefit of what he did at the cross. We're in the dispensation of grace right now. But we're coming to a time where the earth will be shaken. And God wants to know who's on his foundation. I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus. It's pretty simple. Jesus said, if you, Paul said, if you believe in your heart and confess from your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. See, religion cannot save you. The law cannot save you. Good deeds cannot save you. The blood of Jesus at the cross of Calvary saves you. You put your faith and trust in him. He'll take out your heart and put his heart in there. He renew your spirit with his spirit. Then you become a living stone. You give your life to Jesus and he'll take you to places you never dreamed. I can testify to that. So, Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for everyone listening. I thank you that you are our rock. You're the rock of our salvation. You're an unmovable, unshakable foundation. And Lord, I ask you for the Holy Spirit right now, for those who do not know you, that they would bow their hearts to you and receive you as their Lord and Savior. Repent of their sins. Fill them with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace and mercy, the spirit of comfort, the helper, the teacher. And I thank you that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And Lord, I pray right now for those who are listening that are sick, spiritually, uh, uh, mentally and physically, that your hand be upon them. I rebuke the spirit of infirmity and the rebuke the devourer of their life. And I lift up the name of Jesus upon them. I thank you, Father, for no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And Lord, I ask you to fill people with the Holy Spirit. I see the Lord touching people right now that are, that are either watching or will be watching. I see people getting filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Oh, thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you right now. Oh, Lord, have your way right now. Thank you, Father, right now. Fill them afresh with your mighty power. Oh, let tongues of angels flow through them right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you. Let them breathe in the breath of life right now and speak in tongues of angels. We give you praise and honor. We thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that you teach us to build on the living stone. So we have become living epistles. Thank you as we press into you. 
spirit of truth that guides us into all truth. Thank you, Father. Those who are sick are healed. In Jesus' name. The seed of doubt and fear leave that body right now. In Jesus' name. Open up their hearts for salvation right now. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Strengthen my brothers and sisters, Lord, as we stand firm in faith. We give you praise and honor. We thank you, Father. We exalt the name of Jesus. We praise your name. Your name is above every name. The name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. And we give you all the glory and all the honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, amen. Amen. Well, bless you guys. If you've love to see you again on Thursday, those who uh, have given their life to Jesus or any testimonies, please let us know. Reach out. Uh, we're family. For those who are, for those who are sitting on the fence and not sure where to go, reach out. We've got plenty of people that would love to help. And we pray very soon we can get together face-to-face. -face. But please don't be shy. For those who are, who are new, who are, our, core, our core people know who we are, but if, you, if you're visiting or you're jumping on, please understand that we love you and the Lord loves you and we're here just to help, to go forward in the things of the kingdom, the treasures of the kingdom. So be blessed. I thank you. And we'll see you there on Thursday. God bless.